The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS radio network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS radio network. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning, and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, and good morning. Today is November 12th, 2023, and here are the topics that will be discussed in this week's edition of the serious side of the Jay We just had major breaking news a moment ago. Apparently, Senator Joe Manchin not going to uh, run for election. Uh, He has been talked about as someone who could be one of these no-labels candidates. Someone in the middle, between the far right and the far left, we'll see. Uh, There are several organizations out there. No-labels is just one of them. Uh, Certainly, it feels like there's a giant void there. Uh, And certainly, we know that this country is being torn apart. Uh, but the question is, who is the right person to bring us back together? To one of our other top stories today, the hearing is in a break as Ivanka Trump testifies today in her father's $250 million civil fraud trial. I think it is going to hurt him if he doesn't show up. We got one more fella to go after. And I'm telling you, we're going to do it. The Las Vegas Raiders have really been making a lot of history, even though their record doesn't show it. And the season hasn't been going that great for them up until now. It seems like it's kind of shifting a little bit. They've been making a lot of history because they are the NFL's first team with a black president who her name is Sandra Douglas Morgan, black head coach, intern head coach Antonio Pierce and black general manager Champ Kelly. Online radio at its best. Thank you for the breath in my lungs this morning. Thank you for waking me up and giving me another chance at this life. Thank you for this warm cup of coffee and the roof over my head. I'm sorry, God, for anything that I take for granted on a daily basis. Please posture my heart to see all the good in today. I pray that you would protect me, replacing anxiety with peace and worry with your joy. Blanket me in your strength as you fight battles for me. I pray that you would open doors that need to be opened and slam shut the ones that you need closed. I pray for my heart that it would seek refuge in you before anything else. Lord, please make me a vessel for your kingdom. And if things don't go as planned, please remind my heart that your plan is far greater. Let my eyes see and my ears hear your voice today. Amen. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the calling number. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It is the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio is best. Plus, I'm J. Rouse, and I usually say at this time that I never share the stage by myself, but this morning, that would be a false statement because I'm riding solo. 
obviously we have a lot of people that are on the move. Vanessa, she's on the road. Mr. Elias, he's on the road. And Jerome usually has his commitment with Clear Channel Radio. So anyway, you got me for the next two hours, and I hope that you buckle up, sit back, grab a cup of coffee. We're going to have a great conversation, and I invite you to participate. 347-850-1272. It's time to step out. Let's take an NPR News up break, and after that, we'll get into the show. 347-850-1272. It is the serious out on a beautiful but gloomy Sunday. Hopefully the weather is better in your neck of the woods. Wrap up, stay warm, and we'll be right back after this. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mass Mutual. Don't let the day-to-day of running your business keep you from planning for tomorrow. Start preparing for the future. Talk to a Mass Mutual financial professional today. Feel comfortable about tomorrow. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. There's been an international outcry over conditions at Gaza's main hospital where Israel's military says it's been battling Hamas fighters. Local health officials say the hospital has run out of fuel and that at least two babies have died there after incubators lost power. NPR's Lauren Freyer reports from Tel Aviv. The head of the International Committee for the Red Cross says the unbearably desperate situation at Gaza's Al-Shifa Hospital must stop now. The United Nations humanitarian chief says there can be no justification for acts of war in healthcare facilities. Israel says it's trying to evacuate Gaza's hospital and accuses Hamas of using human shields. A military spokesman says troops will help move newborn babies out of El Shifa today. Those who do evacuate still face Israeli airstrikes in southern Gaza. Meanwhile, thousands rallied in Israel last night for the return of about 240 hostages held in Gaza. In a televised speech, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said there would be no ceasefire until all of them are released. Lauren Fryer, NPR News, Tel Aviv. Israel is coming under pressure to agree to a ceasefire. According to the health ministry in Gaza, more than 11,000 Palestinians have been killed since the war began with the Hamas attack six weeks ago that Israel says left around 1,200 people dead. House Speaker Mike Johnson offering a proposal for a short-term funding bill aimed at keeping the government open past Friday shutdown deadline. But the plan is already facing stiff opposition from both the Biden administration and a handful of House Republicans. Here's, here's Eric McDaniel. Johnson's two-step proposal, if it passes, would fund some government agencies through mid-January and the rest through early February. But the measure faces stiff headwinds. House Republicans have a vanishingly small majority, and a number of Republicans, including Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, have already announced their opposition. It's unclear if any House Democrats will support the measure, which, though it's free of any conservative policy provisions, has been blasted by the Biden administration, which accuses House Republicans of, quote, wasting precious time with an unserious proposal. Eric McDaniel, NPR News, Washington. Capitol Hill, the Senate has now confirmed more than 100 women to the federal bench during President Biden's first term. Biden has also elevated five, uh, rather 50 black judges to lifetime appointments. Senator Kerry Johnson. The White House says diversifying the federal bench has been one of its highest priorities. The Senate has advanced 153 of Biden's picks, including record numbers of women and people of color. The Biden administration has also stressed professional diversity, electing public defenders and civil rights lawyers, not just former prosecutors. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says the new judges better reflect America and they're helping reshape the federal judiciary. Biden has put the first black woman on the Supreme Court, Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson. 
Carrie Johnson, NPR News, Washington. This is NPR. Be stopped. We got the spirit. We're hot. We can't be stopped. We're going to beat them and bust them. Beat them. The smallest bust. moments can have the biggest beat impact beat on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. All those boys are much too much. Those boys are much too much. Online radio at its best. We just had major breaking news a moment ago. Apparently, Senator Joe Manchin not going to re, uh, run for election. Uh, he has been talked about as someone who could be one of these no-labels candidates. Uh, someone in the middle, between the far right and the far left, we'll see. Uh, it's a, there are several organizations out there. No-labels is just one of them. Uh, certainly, it feels like there's a giant void there. Uh, and certainly, we know that this country is being torn apart. Uh, but the question is, who is the right person to bring us back together? Tell you what, that's the big question. Who is the right person? Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's uh, nine minutes after the top of the hour. You're listening to the Serious Side of the J. Ryle Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network. Joe Manchin has decided that he's not going to seek re-election. Now, under normal circumstances, that would be news that I would definitely celebrate because I think Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema—they've been thorns. They've been, you know, I guess the Republicans have a saying that says Rhino, Republican in name only. So I guess we're going to go Dino, Democrats in name only, because basically they've been a thorn in President Joe Biden's side. They won't participate. They won't come around uh, to do the things that we need to do to, to forward the Democratic Party's agenda. Now, listen, you may be a Republican. You may not like what the agenda is, but the bottom line is, is that whoever controls the White House sets policies for the most part. And the House of Representatives and the Senate, depending on, you know, whoever has the majority, uh, controls what happens when it comes to legislative priorities. And at the end of the day, what's happening here is that we have these two, quote-unquote, Dinos, I like that, I'm going to coin that phrase, uh, who have been throwing nothing but a monkey wrench in the president's agenda. Now, let's go back, let's talk about this too. Kristen Simona, she finally just said, you know what the hell with it, I'm an independent. And Democrats are really considering running a candidate against her because she's been a thorn, right? And so then let's look at our guy Joe. Say it ain't so, Joe Manchin. So now the reason why Joe is not seeking re-election is because, to be perfectly honest with you, and whoever's listening to this, between me and you, Joe Manchin is going to lose a re-election bid because West Virginia has been trending Republican for the longest. Uh, President Obama didn't win there. Uh, Joe Biden didn't win there. Uh, and so that's the reason why Joe Manchin votes the way he does legislatively, because at the end of the day, he knows that his state is trending red. And so the only way he can survive is to do what his constituents want him to do. Now, listen, let me say this. At the end of the day, you're supposed to represent your constituents, right? So 
I don't have a problem with him representing his constituents, but do it under the proper manner. Just say who you are. If you're a Republican, just be a Republican. Don't be a a Republican or a Democrat in sheep's clothing. Stop it. A Republican in sheep's clothing. Stop it. Just say who you are and be who you are, and we can respect that. The issue here is that you're masquerading around as a Democrat. And I understand what the Democratic Party is doing because, let me tell you something, I'm a firm believer in the 10% rule, right? What's the 10% rule, Jay? The 10% rule is 10% of something is better than 100% of nothing. So, yeah, even though he is a thorn in the president's ass, he still votes the majority time with the Democrats. And that's the reason why he was going to lose that seat. So he decided that he's going to call, you know, he's going to determine his own fate. He's not going to allow the constituents to vote his ass out. He's just going to say, look, I'm out. I'm gone. But, you know, my daddy from a long time ago told me my my purpose, I'm going to fight for the American people until I take my last dying breath. And I'm paraphrasing whatever he said. So basically what he's going to do, and we all know it, he's going to run as a third-party candidate. Once again, a thorn in the president's ass. Because we all know that when these people run for these third parties, they have no chance in winning. So who do they help when these people still votes away? Now, there was a poll a few weeks ago saying that Donald Trump was leading in five of the six battleground states. Let me repeat that. There is a poll out there that says, that that Donald Trump is winning in four out of the five uh, states, battleground states. So despite all of his legal issues, and we'll talk about that a little later, this man is still the leader of the GOP. So when Joe Manchin and all these third-party groups, that you know, the group, no labels, no labels group is supposedly is a group of Democrats and Republicans, and they're saying, look, we're, we're not Democrats, we're not Republicans, we're just American citizens trying to do the right thing. Man, give me a break. It's a bunch of garbage. What you're doing is you're screwing up the election, the presidential election. That's what you're doing. And by screwing up the election, you're creating a pathway for a psychopath to go back into the White House. And I don't understand. There are people that are smarter than me. There are people out there who you would like to think are educated. There are people out there who talk about Donald Trump behind his back. But yet and still, they're willing, because of their freaking egos, to jump into a presidential race that they have no chance in winning, to gum up the works. We're playing with people's lives here. You talk about the way our election systems are set up. We talk about it every week on this show, that the Republicans, they're playing chestnut checkers. They're playing the long game because they know that from a race perspective, and let's just call it what it is, Let's just call it what it is. We all know that most white folks support Republicans and most African-Americans support Democrats. Let's just speak the truth. 
let's not act like, oh, we have to be political correct. No, we need to tell the truth. And we all know that white people will be in the minority real soon. So what do you do? You strategize. It's called planning. So if you have a project that you're trying to accomplish and if you can see, you know, if you can participate, I mean anticipate, I should say, headwinds and problems and concerns and issues, then you prepare for that. And that's, they know this already. And guess what, America? You are participating in the process because when you don't fill out your census reports, your census reports, that's not going to help you. Those reports allow for some districts to get more representatives. But you won't do it because all of a sudden, you know, it's an issue, right? People don't go and vote. And me and Mr. Elias, we have had plenty of arguments about this on the show. And I don't condone no one not voting. But I try to be a realist, and I say to myself, you know, if you're voting, you think that your vote don't count, why are you wasting your, wasting your time? Because in order for your candidate, which I assume most people that listen to this show, vote Democrat, maybe, maybe not. I know I do. we do have some haters out there. We do have folks that send in nasty messages and, you know, call us all types of names. I don't give a damn about that. I really don't. Because it's amazing how these trolls come on this show, listen to this show, right, and <laughs> try to go listen to Fox. You don't have to listen to us. We're nobody. We just to show that, you know, we're just a group of people that get together every Sunday morning and talk about things that affect our communities. If you don't want to be a part of that process, go somewhere else. That's okay. But don't badmouth what we're trying to do. Don't badmouth the fact that we're trying to speak up for our people. That's what this is all about. So at the end of the day, they try to call into the show, you know, and Mr. Elias, he gets a kick out of it because they call in, and Mr. Elias, he can, you know, he's been doing it long enough. He can recognize when there's somebody that's a troll. And so he'll tell them, hey, you're on the air, and they start saying all this nonsense. And then Mr. Elias gets a chance to cuss them out and laugh and giggle, and then he comes back on the air saying, yeah, I got one. That's okay. You can do what you want to do. America's a free country, free speech. You want to listen? That's fine. You want to voice your uh, dissent or your opposition to what we're saying, by all means, do it. So you can do it respectfully. You know, I get accused of not reading comments because people are saying that, uh, for the most part, you know, well, you, you guys are biased. You, you won't uh, let other people's opinions. Well, listen, if you're respectful with your opinions, by all means, we'll read them. I have no problem with that. But getting back to the issue at hand, when it comes to Joe Manchin, when it comes to what the GOP is doing, at the end of the day, if you don't participate in the process, you are part of the problem, not the solution. But like I say, I try to be real, and I try to look at this through the lens of somebody that's not, I don't have my head in the clouds. I don't live in a fantasy world. I know what's going on here. I say this all the time on the show. How does, you know, we have four major cities in Texas, we have Austin, we have Houston, we have San Antonio, we have Dallas. In every presidential election, the Democratic candidate has won all those cities. But guess what? 
Guess what? <laughs> Republicans still win the state. And I do understand why they created the Electoral College. Back in the day, it made sense. You wanted to give the people with less voices a voice in the process, right? Back in the day. But now, all of a sudden, that's not the issue anymore, right? So now the people who have less voices, they have the bigger say because populations that have maybe 300 people, 400 people, they're getting the same amount of attention, the same amount of authority. Not really the same. I'm misspeaking here. You have a, a county that has 300 people in it. They have the same, same say-so as a county that has over 2 million people. What's wrong with that picture? But once again, they're not going to change that because, you know, what does that do? At the end of the day, it shows how the Republicans are planning, planning, planning. And I'm not sure how we get out of this. You know, I was watching a movie uh, the other day. It was called Death of the Flower Moon. I hope I got that correct. It's in theaters right now. And this movie... Matter of fact, first of all, it is a great movie. If you get the chance to go see it, go see it. But it's a sad movie, right? And it's a movie that people that look like us can relate to. I'm going to say two words, Black Tulsa. This is a movie about how (laughs) white people, (laughs) and it's amazing when you talk about white folks, they get mad. Are you a racist? I'm not a racist. I'm just... What we're doing is talking about what you guys have done in the in the past. We're not making this up. How white folks went in and stole oral rights from Indians by marrying the Indian women and then killing all the Indians off so then the, their inheritance would go to the white folks. These jokers have been rotten for a long time, man. And I have great friends who are white folks. I don't have anything against white people at all. I'm just calling a spade a spade. White folks get upset when you talk about, you know, slavery. They're trying to remove slavery from schools. Why? You did it. What are you mad at us for? Why, you don't want to read it? You don't want to face your sins? You don't want to talk about what you've been doing to indigenous people, you don't want to talk about what you did, you know, bringing slaves over here. We're the lazy people. We don't want to work. We're on welfare. But guess what? There are more white folks on welfare than there are African-Americans. And as far as being lazy, who got who to go and wash your clothes and take care of your babies and build the White House? Now, listen, I don't listen to public enemy, and I'm not Flavor Flav or D-Nice or any of those cats that I'm not a militant dude. I'm just telling you the facts. Now, whether you want to heat, if you want to, you know, you want to take responsibility for it, for your responsibilities, you know, if you, you know, listen, do it. But don't get it mad at me. Don't get mad at the show because we put these things out. 347-850-1272. So, Joe Manchin is going to run for president, folks. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. And by him running for president, that's going to create problems for Joe Biden. Now, a lot of Democrats do not want Joe Biden to run. They're saying that he's too old. Matter of fact, President Obama's number one guy, David Axelrod, came out and said, hey, look, this dude needs to 
he needs he needs not to run it. He needs to go away. He's not going away. He needs to do what's in the best interest of the party and walk away. That's what David Axelrod said. And so the Biden folks are pushing back, saying that the president is competent, the president is on top of his game, and if you really dissect his presidency up until this point, he's done a lot of things that President Obama hasn't done. Because for the longest, we talked about how President Obama was, and I think still is, the most uh, productive president uh, ever, if you go back and look at some of the things that he's accomplished. But, you know, listen, what Biden is doing, you know, you need to take a good look at. You know, first of all, when you go back and look at the Obama presidency, President Obama lost a lot of Senate and House seats during his presidency. That's not the case with Biden. Now, one can say because it was Donald Trump is the reason why this has happened. You know, people talk about this all the time, how presidents get credit for things that they don't deserve to get credit for, but they get blamed for things that they don't deserve to be blamed for. And, and I get it. I understand it. I really and truly do. I understand. But at the end of the day, you have to look at these numbers. You have to look at the accomplishments of Joe Biden, and you have to say, hmm, you know, you heard uh, in the update how he has appointed more uh, diverse uh, uh, federal judges on the bench. Over 50 African-American judges, now they have lifetime appointments as federal judges. President Obama didn't do that. Now, I'm not pointing fingers at him. I'm just saying that he didn't do it. You know, Ketanji Brown, she's the first African-American female that's ever been appointed to to the uh, Supreme Court. President Obama didn't do that. Now, I think he appointed the first Latino, and that's okay. But, but, but my bigger picture here and my bigger point here is the fact that if people really look at the accomplishments of the Biden administration and stop looking at how old the president is, then at the end of the day, this man has been very successful. Unemployment is way down. Now, inflation, you know, that's an issue. But it didn't matter who would be in the White House if you understand how inflation works. You had a red-hot economy. So now you have to do things to slow it down, right? Because you can't have high inflation because then goods will cost more money to purchase and buy. So at the end of the day, you know, this would have happened no matter who would have been in the White House. But what's amazing to me is how Americans, through polling, and we know, you know, listen, Jerome talks about polling all the time on the show that, you know, you should take them with a grain of salt. I think there, I think there is some validity in that statement, but I also think that you need to pay attention to polls. You know, at the end of the day, when you look at the polling, Americans say they trust the Republicans with the economy more than they trust the Democrats. <laughs> so let's back up a few years. Let's go back to 2000, I don't know, seven, eight, when the American economy was falling off the cliff because of the antics of George W. Bush. And President Obama came into office and saved this country from a recession, right? Now, most Americans can't understand that because they've never, most Americans have never gone through what we call a true recession, 
everything, what you see on TV in black and white, people in soup lines, you know, looking for handouts. So the American economy was falling, was on the brink, and the 44th president of the United States brought it back, and everything started trending upward. So now all of a sudden, Americans have a brain fart, and they elect, you know, Donald Trump to be the president. And at that point, this guy inherited what President Obama had already put into place. You know, how can you be in office for two months and brag about you having unemployment? Unemployment was at the lowest point in American history. That just didn't start on January, you know, 20 of, you know, 2017 or whatever the hell he was elected into office. Those were trends. So he benefited from President Obama's. Uh, you know, President Obama's work while he was in office. The accomplishments of the Obama presidency. But as you can see, in the four years he was there, guess what? It started trending down. This is a guy that said you can inject bleach into people. <laughs> the COVID. COVID virus. And this guy has a very good chance. We can laugh. We can giggle. We can talk about everything that's going on with him. He has a very good chance of getting reelected. And the reason why is because we have nutballs like Joe Manchin. If you're not, and here's the other thing, too. If you really and truly care about your constituents, if you really and truly care about America, you see the state that America's in. You see it. Matter of fact, there was a report last week how election workers are receiving uh, uh, packages in the mail with white substances. There are crazy people in this country, folks. Crazy people. Crazy. And if you can't recognize that, Joe Manchin, you know damn well your candidacy doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of being successful. So then why the hell are you running for office? Why the hell are you going to put America our America trending to the basement? We already have a Speaker of the House who was a backbencher. Now, for those who may not understand what that term means, that means he had no clout in the House of Representatives, none. Just got voted into office. He's a clown. He's a backbencher. That means he can't even sit. He can't even sit at the kids. He he has to sit. He can't even sit at the adult table. He's a backbencher, and this guy is the speaker of the house. So Joe Manchin, if you're going to run for office, why don't you take these things in consideration? Everyone talks about they want America to be a better place, but then again, you say this. But look at the GOP. You have freaking you had freaking eighteen people running for office. We've seen that playbook before. The last time you had so many people running for office, they split the vote and Donald Trump became the president. Deja vu. What do they say about the definition of insanity? Apparently people don't read dictionaries around here. You know, Politicians' egos are so huge, 
they can't understand that they are there to serve the American people, not yourself. If you're not going to be a part of the solution, get out the damn way. And instead of Joe Manchin just walking away, he's walking away because he's going to get his ass whipped in that election. That's a fact. So now the Senate, remember, the Democrats only won the Senate by a few seats. So that seat is gone. Republicans are going to take that seat. I'm not sure what's going to happen in Arizona because Democrats are so enraged at, at Kristen Cinema that they're saying they're going to run a candidate against her. Let's see. Arizona's been trending Democrat. Let's hope that it remains, you know, moving in that direction. That being said, I'm not against America. America needs to have two strong political parties. I was talking to someone the other day, and I was saying that, you know, when you go into a negotiation, you have to understand that there are things, if there's a list of 10 items, you have to say to yourself, you have to be willing to accept anywhere between 60 to 70% of those items on that list. But you also have to have walkaway power. It, listen, everyone knows that I'm a Democrat, right? I mean, but God dang it, man, there has to be opposition. There has to be an opposition party. It just can't go all one way. If you're in a marriage, do you get your way all the time? Hell no, right? This is a democracy. It's not a dictatorship where the king or the queen, you know, waves their magic wand or hold their hands up over their people and say, do as I say. That's not what this country is all about. But if you, you know, hell, it looks like it because you have an ex-president who has broken every damn law there is in and out of office, and it just seems to me that his ass keeps getting away with this nonsense. You have political leaders who are taking money and bribes and things of this nature. But we're the city on the hill, right? America is the city on the hill. America is that country that everybody wants to be. And, the, and, and our allies, they are nervous. Because no matter how much Secretary Blinken tries to reassure them that America's not going to do this. You know, President Obama, his last year in office, when he would meet with leaders, they were like, look, what's up with this Trump dude? Oh, listen, it's okay. At the end of the day, the American people are going to wake up and realize that this guy is a clown. <laughs> you see how that worked out? You see how it worked out, right? That clown ended up in office. And that clown's not going away. We'll talk about him a little bit more uh, during the show. Three four seven eight five one one two seven two. It's the serious side of the J. Ryle Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio. At its best, it's 35 minutes after the hour. So if you go into church, make sure you set your timepieces appropriately so you can make sure that you're there on time. Ryan Solo again today. Uh, Mr. Elias is traveling. Mr. Elias has a real cool thing going on. Uh, he is a road manager for one of the top comedians in the nation. And so they're, you know, they're taping a Netflix special. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to share this information, but I'm going to do it any damn way. And so you're going to see this Netflix uh, special in February. Uh, you know, Vanessa, she's doing what she does. Everybody knows who listens to this show that Vanessa has spends more time at sea than sailors. So she's on another adventure. 
of course, our dear friend Jerome is uh, doing what Jerome does. So I'm here holding it down. Thank you for being a part of what we do. Thank you for tolerating me. You got me for the next, I don't know, 90 minutes. So get ready because it's going to be a fun ride. Because this time I get a chance to put my points of views out there without the interference of one Mr. LES, a guy that I really don't like, but don't tell him I said that. <laughs> All right, so what happens next? What happens next? Joe, Joe Manchin, he's going to run for office. He's going to be a part of the no labels group. And so he's going to take votes away from. Now, I read something the other day that said that this may hurt Trump more than it hurts Biden. And I'm like, how? They're saying because disgruntled Republicans want some place to go. Okay. All right. We'll see. Because, once again, the reason why Joe Biden won, here's my argument to that. He won because disgruntled Republicans came to the Democratic side. You saw a lot of big-name Republicans saying, look, this is a national emergency. We have to vote for our country. You may not, you may not agree with the Democrats, but the Democrats are doing things the right way. Vote Democratic. Get these fools out of office. Once we cleanse the damn House, once we cleanse the Senate, then we can get back on our side and start voting for things that we believe in, you know, small government conservative values. But right now, it's a national emergency, all hands on deck, everyone vote Democratic so we can get these losers out of office. Marjorie Taylor Greene won again, right? You see who's the Speaker of the House. And I always say this on the show because we had this debate when it happened. Oh, my, it was supposed to be a red wave, and the Democrats came out on top. Okay, they did, right? We still, the House, the gavel was handed to a Republican. So I don't give a damn if you win by 100 or if you you lose by 100 or you lose by one, you still damn lost. And then you hear these Republican representatives stand up in front of the mics. Well, the American people put us in office uh, because they want the Republicans to run. Stop it. That's a lie. The American people didn't put you in office. You bastards cheated. And by cheating, that's how you won. That's how you guys took over the House. That's how you guys are trying to take over the Senate. You're cheating. So stop it with this nonsense. Tell the truth. Too many people lie. Stop lying to the American people. Tell the American people the truth. Tell the American people the truth. And as Americans, you have to do your you have to do your due diligence as well. You have to, when you get your census report, fill it out. Fill it out. Be accounted for. Right? Go vote. I know that they're cheating. I know that for the most part, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they're they're gerrymandering districts, but you still need to go vote. You still need to be a part of the process. Don't make it easy for them. Everything we've ever earned in this lifetime of ours, whether it's from you know civil rights, you know a lot of people died for folks to have the right to vote. I bet you people in the '60s never thought they would see a black president, and they probably didn't in some cases. Some people, but they still went out there and participated in the process. It's a building process, so they participated in the process which led to the election of President Obama. 
you got to be a part of the process. You can bitch and complain about what's going on, but if you're going to bitch and complain about something, then if, and if you're going to bitch and complain and don't vote, then shut up. We don't want to hear from you. There's nothing you have to say. You have forfeited your right to your opinion if you do not participate in the process. No matter how far it's rigged, you still need to participate. Go vote. It's not going to hurt you to go vote. The lines are too long. Really? The problem is there are a lot of Americans who don't feel some of the things that, you know, lower income people are feeling. It's easy for you to talk about, man, you know, I, I want to go out here and help the homeless. Or it's easy for you to sit here and, you know, you know, draw a line in the sand where you're not hungry. It's easy for you to sit here and talk about government spending when you're going to get a paycheck for the rest of your damn life. It's easy to talk about, hey, every American needs to carry a gun when you have protection because you're not exposed to the elements. If you were exposed to the elements, you would change your mind. I say this all the time. Let a couple of Republican family members get murdered in a mass murder, whatever. I guarantee you those clowns will start falling on this side of the fence. You can sit here and watch the news about people's children being killed, and you feel bad about it especially if you're a parent, because the first thing that's going to cross your mind is your kid. But your kid is still living, you know, uh, still living and breathing. But what if it was your child? Your grief would be a hundred, a thousand percent more. So if you're not feeling some of this stuff, it's easy for you to sit here and don't participate, or it's easy for you to sit here and stand on you, you know, stand on your soapbox and talk about what we should do. We need to take away funding. You know, I heard something during the GOP debate, and I'm jumping the, the, the gun here, but I, I want to say this before we step out. They talked about, you know, um, abortion rights and you know the right to life, and we need to support a child even after birth. Ooh, okay, that's something new. Because you guys want every child to live, but then you cut programs. So if a mother has a child and she can't afford the child and, you know, she, she has, she's having issues, you're cutting support programs that are in place to help people who are in those situations. So you want them to have the babies, but then you want to cut off the resources for them to take care of the child. That sounds ass backwards to me. Right? You talk about the government needs to stay out of our business. The government needs to stop taking our guns. But you want to tell a woman what she can do with her body. Because if you're saying that women can't have abortions, the government is saying that it's against the law. You have doctors who who will not even serve or or help women because they are afraid in some states that their ass can be arrested. You have groups of folks running around this country trying to find doctors who are helping people get, you know, abortion care. Because if you do, they you can turn them in and get money as a reward for turning them in. That's where we are, folks. Did you ever think we'd be here? Show hands of folks who thought that doctors could be arrested for helping a woman. Who decides who makes and that's a major decision. They don't take it lightly. 
You're telling me that if you get raped, you have to carry the rapist baby? What? These people are in la-la land, and they think it's okay. And these Christian conservatives, oh, the right to life. Okay. All right, I got you. But what happens after their life is, you know, talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. All right, we got to step out, take a break. Real D, she got her hand up, sweetie. I'll get you in after the next break. Uh, it's time for Kavina uh, time in uh, four minutes or less. Something that you need to know. It's the serious side. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It is uh, forty four minutes after the hour, or forty four or fifty minutes above before the top of the hour. You take your pig. But we'll step out, take a quick break. It's Kavina time in four minutes or less, something that you need to know. We'll be right back, and we'll get uh, my girl in on the other side. You're listening to The Serious Side. The chikungunya virus is on the rise again, including in South America, where more than a quarter million new cases have already surfaced this year. The disease is rarely fatal, but it can leave long-lasting joint pain. But as NPR's Ari Daniel reports, there is some good news. A vaccine may soon be on the way. Over the years, Dr. Susana Choferez has seen cases of chikungunya in Buenos Aires, where she works as an infectious disease physician at Hospital Muniz. But it is not common for us. No more than one or two cases. Each year and always from people bringing the mosquito-borne virus with them from other countries. But earlier this year... We receive every day patients with chikungunya. Including some with no travel history, which means for the first time, mosquitoes within Buenos Aires were transmitting the disease. Case counts are up across Argentina. When someone enters Choferis's hospital with chikungunya, there's no mistaking it. The patients came here with fever and with pain in their joints. The joints in their hands and feet, says Choferis, and their knees. The pain can get so bad that some have difficulty walking or even holding a cup of coffee. You are well, and suddenly you can't move. You need another person help you to do the, the common task of every day. Choferis prescribes medicine to ease the fever and pain, but she tells her patients the disease just has to run its course, which can be challenging because some people suffer from the joint pain for months or years, even though their immune systems have created antibodies to clear the virus. We don't really understand what causes that debilitating arthritis. Margaret Killian is a virologist at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, and she and her colleagues found something that could bring us a step closer to solving this mystery. So most viruses make us sick by turning our cells into virus-making machines. They release loads of new viral particles that can go on to infect new cells. Chikungunya does that, but it also does something else. The virus induces the infected cell to generate these very dramatic, long extensions that can go from the infected cell to neighboring cells. One or two tendrils, sometimes as long as the cell itself, sneaking outward, at times toward uninfected cells. And even though these tendrils might be bathed in antibodies... That contact between the infected cell and the uninfected cell shields the virus 
from the antibodies, and that's how that cell gets infected. That is, the virus can spread through these extensions between cells, escaping attack by the immune system. It's early days, but it suggests this might be one mechanism by which the virus can sort of get established, maybe in joint tissues. That may be important in causing arthritis. We'll see. This study, which was conducted in mice, was published in the journal Nature Microbiology. This information is very useful. Useful to inform the development of vaccines for a disease whose footprint is growing, says Nischay Mishra. He's a virologist at Columbia University who wasn't involved in the study. It's a global concern, uh, like the way climate is changing. There are more chances like mosquitoes can survive everywhere. Chikungunya is already a problem in places like India, China, and numerous countries in Africa. Even in the U.S., Texas and Florida have in previous years reported low local transmission of the disease. Fortunately, several vaccine efforts are underway, and Mishra says one may be approved as soon as the end of this year. Ari Daniel, NPR News. Online radio at its best. You know, Jose, this is really a study in temperamental contrast because Ivanka Trump came this morning as poised as we remember her and also unfailingly polite. And the import of her testimony today isn't so much what she remembers. Spoiler alert, like her brothers, it's not a whole lot. And the documents that she's been shown this morning don't necessarily refresh her memory about her involvement. But what the Attorney General's office has been able to do this morning is show that Donald Trump turned to Deutsche Bank and Deutsche Bank's private wealth management unit in particular as a lender starting in 2011 because more typical commercial real estate lenders, whether they be banks or private equity firms, wouldn't do business with him on terms that were satisfactory to him. Rather, because of the risk that they assumed he posed, they wanted to charge him fairly high interest rates. And it wasn't until Ivanka and Jared met Rosemary Vlavik of Deutsche Bank's private wealth management group that they finally got the deal that they were seeking. And here's what happened. In exchange for very low interest rates, comparable to what others in the market were offering, Deutsche Bank asked for two things. They wanted Donald Trump to sign a personal guarantee that he could cover all of the principal and income on the loan, as well as the operating income of, for example, the Doral Golf Course. And they also wanted him to attest that he had a minimum net worth of $2.5 billion, which as Ivanka and a Trump organization lawyer named Jason Greenblatt acknowledged to each other in an email exchange was going to be a problem. Nonetheless, Donald Trump told Deutsche Bank not only did he have $2.5 billion in his net worth exclusive of his brand, he had over $4 billion. And so this has been kind of a devastating series of documents for the Trump organization and the AG's case against them. Welcome back again, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's ten minutes before the it's ten minutes before the top of the hour. You're listening to the serious side, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio uh, at its best. Okay, so Ivanka Trump testified this past week, uh, which means that she is the final Trump uh, who has uh, taken the stand, and so. You know, the thing about Ivanka Trump, which I think is, is the, how do I say this? I think Ivanka Trump really and truly is trying to get away from her daddy. I really believe that. You know, you know, she's been caught hanging around with Kim Kardashian. You know, she's, um, she was real good friends with Hillary Clinton's daughter, Chelsea, for a while. 
but, you know, the bottom line is that her father has put her and her siblings in a bad situation. So at the end of the day, you know, that's just the way it is. But we talked about during the last segment how my Jerome, so let me see if I can bring Jerome in. Let's see if the man in the house. Mr. Jerome, is that you, sir? Yes, sir. Yes, it is. How you um, doing? I'm doing well, man. How are good, you doing, good. sir? Right, I'm so, well, uh, I'm well. Well, it's good, man. It's good to hear your voice. So, you know, once again, so Ivanka Trump, uh, you know, testified this week, and, you know, she got the I can't remember syndromes. You know, every time they showed something, a display or whatever, um, you know, she didn't know. She couldn't remember. She, you know, she couldn't, you know, recall. Uh, but, you know, the great thing about Letitia James, man, she is on top of her game because they were able to produce documents showing that she had signed for this stuff. They were showing situations where Ivanka and Eric had gone in and negotiated with banks who didn't want to do business with their father. And so she can misremember all she wants, but the facts are the facts. And in my opinion, I think um, even though this is a civil case, no jail time um, will be involved, but this will be a major blow to the Trump's business uh, portfolio because at the end of the day, you know, if uh, the ruling goes the way it's expected, then uh, they would no longer be able to do business in New York. Now, you are in New York, not in New York, New York, but you're in the state. So you're pretty, you know, you're closer to the situation than we are. You know, break it down for us, man. What do you think about uh, Ivanka's testimony? Um, and just give me your overall thoughts on this trial, because this is a judge. The judge will make the determination, uh, you know, guilty or and He's already said that they're guilty. So it's just a matter, I guess, this is for sentencing purposes. I have no idea. Your thoughts, please. Yeah, this is, yes, this is for the um, penalty part. Yeah. So he's, they've right. already been found guilty and all of that good stuff. So that's why Trump is testifying. And I actually like the way you, you know, phrased it, that it's the last Trump. It was like their last hope. <laughs> right? That was yeah. their Trump card kind of thing with Ivanka. <laughs> but they're always going to protect her. At, yeah, yeah, they protect her with, you know, she gets to appear to be normal to the rest right. of them, right? So all of them are right-wing, far-right, They and they're playing in there. I don't think that they are, but they are masking themselves in there because that's where their source of strength comes from. But she... Right wants to be a socialite, a socialite right? So she yep. wants to, you know, be in Hollywood and have people love her, but she is the spawn of Hitler. Like, what do you do about that? Like, you're benefiting <laughs> off of, you're benefiting off of all the evil stuff that's going around you, and would you want to be everybody else's friend now? Like, I don't know how that yeah. works. So I have no, like, real empathy for her or um, Jared, or her husband, or her, even her kids. I don't think that it's for us to be like, hey, you know what, their daddy's racist, but you okay. I mean, I know that happens, and, you know, I've dealt with a lot of people who I knew their family was racist who were cool people. But the fact is is that I can't put you, you know, in any kind of high esteem because you're influencing your, your, um, your default is going to oppress everybody else. So I think the more that they normalize this, and, and this is what our society does, when Paula Dean says something racist and is racist towards black people, they put her on Dancing with the Stars to try to normalize yeah. her. And right. so 
They, they, you ain't see Colin Kaepernick on Dancing with the Stars. Anytime white point. folks don't like you, or Holly Ward, or you know, hmm. anytime that white folks don't like somebody black, they don't reach out to them and be like, let's normalize them and show that they're human. They only do that to them. So with Ivanka, I think that that was their last best hope, is because first of all, she wasn't gonna go to jail, so she's up there telling the truth. And she's answering all of their questions, where other guys are using their white privilege, right, and being contentious and, you know, trying to discredit the judge and showing their disdain for, you know, court and society and we need to break it up. And if I get in office, I'm using the deal, the defense, the Justice Department to go after my enemies. He's saying that stuff out loud because that's what arrogance, um, that's where he's showing his arrogance and his willingness to break a system where his daughter is there to say, all is well, and we're all cool people. And I say don't be deceived by none of them. Yeah, so I, I don't think that. New York State is impressed at all. Because New York State don't play. They prosecute cases like this all the time. So even though he's playing Trump organization stuff in public, the only mm-hmm. card to play, and I think nobody has ever seen this, right? Okay. And, and it's something that I always knew about politics. But I am telling you, the only thing that this country holds dear to is political alignment. So right. that's why when you run for office, people don't want to—they don't want to prosecute you because that's the only illusion that we have left of civil society. That's the only that's a good illusion. Point. That's a good point. I, I never looked yeah. at it from that perspective. Now, the one thing I will disagree with you on—you said, you know, she's answering their questions. You know, uh, saying I don't recall is. I guess that's technically answering the questions, but, you know, at the end of the day, right. you know, she's being coy, too. But she's being, she's being coy in a very nice, you know, very nice and courteous way, yeah. Exactly. So it's to deceive those people who want to believe that she is participating. She's going right. to take that path to least resistance because she's the one who normalizes the, um, you know, again, you're a spawn of Hitler. So technically, how much can you play everybody? So she gets to walk in there, you know, I was going to say pretty, but I don't think she's pretty. But, like, she can walk in there with some kind of stature that people will be like, oh, she's regal and she's elegant and she's answering the questions. She, she's really soft-spoken. And I'm not moved by that. That right. is that is what deception looks like. So she's not really answering their questions, like you said. Um, and they're, they've already been found guilty. So this is not a trial. Right. They're guilty. So poking somebody in the penalty phase is just going to say it's, it's the amount of damages that they're going to have to pay, and they might stupid. have to give up that building. Right, they're going to have to though. give up all of their holdings in New York State. Yeah, and it pisses the problem the with that is, yeah, and the problem with that is that they're trying to make it politically. Um, um, they're trying to exert political pressure against the judge because right. that's why he never mm-hmm. got prosecuted in New York State. Because the judge would be under scrutiny, and nobody likes scrutiny. So he keeps calling out the clerk, the judge, the prosecutor, and he's doing that just to have public pressure on them so that they would just be shamed in prosecuting him. But he's not honorable, so that shouldn't be a big deal. So let me ask you something when you look at Tish James. 
didn't she just didn't, didn't she didn't she just embody regalness? The fact that you know she I guarantee you the amount of death threats she receives on a day to day basis is something that none of us can comprehend. But she stands there on that on those porch steps and she'll say, "Hey, I'm not intimidated by this. They're going to lie. They're going to do whatever. But at the end of the day, justice must be served." And you know, it takes a very special person to do that because listen, man, they have freaking weapons that can shoot somebody from 10 miles away. So every time she steps okay. out there in front of microphones, right. dude, she, she, she is, I, I just have so much respect for her, um, her power and her grace and the fact that she don't give a damn. You can say what you want to say in those courtrooms about me. Yeah, you can bully me. You can call me names. But at the end of the day, you're going to pay the piper, and I don't care. I got power and skills. Right. I love it. Right. And and what I want to say about that is that Trump would not be getting prosecuted if it was not for black prosecutors. Exactly. So understand that, you know, and I, I think that, that white folks in this country don't really understand this. And I think it was Minister Farrakhan that said after 9-11. Oh, I'm sorry. It okay. was him who said this after 9-11. He said, okay. white folks, turn to black people. To see how you live in tyranny, see how you live with that pressure because people were panicking. It was like it's nine eleven and we don't feel safe and black. Turn to black folks. The black people have not moved. We live under that constantly. We have to worry about getting pulled over in any random state in this country and not coming home. We live sure. under occupation, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not a thing that. When you go into black folks and you threaten them, they're like, whatever to you, right? Like, at some point, you either I'm doing my job or I'm not. But me worrying right. about being invited to your country clubs is not a thing. We, mm. don't, we don't have the same value for the same social structure. So you can't say to Fonnie Williams, I'm not going to donate to your campaign. The question is, did you donate to it before? And the answer is no. So why, do I con- why am I concerned myself with you? So whether it was him or Alvin Bragg, or, or, or Letitia James, those, pro, those guys who were um, prosecutors, you notice that the guy who was the Manhattan prosecutor, he didn't press charges against Trump, and then he said, I'm not running for re-election. White folks always falter on this because in their social structure, they feel like they are maintaining. The reason that, um, who's the FBI guy? I forgot his name that quick. Um, the tall guy. Oh, you. Uh, oh, uh, well, boy, you maybe. Uh, so, you talking so about Joseph? Oh, Mueller. Okay, him. Sorry. Right. Okay. Go on, so, yeah. so when you talk about when you talk about them, they knew all of this um, um, illegal stuff that they've been doing with their campaign and stuff. Did they prosecute them? No. Did Mueller say he blanked it out in his report? Said, "Oh, this is for somebody else." Then when they did the judicial stuff, they sent Michael Cohen to jail as as conspirator number two. He did jail yeah. time. Trump is conspirator number one, and they still won't press charges. And the reason that the New York State is doing it is because of Michael Cohen's pretty much testimony. They're saying, hey, they were laundering money anyway. Their books were dirty. Right. They were inflating yeah. their assets. And then New York State went and looked at it. But federal still won't prosecute them. Well, they are. So, Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. What about... What about Jack Smith? Uh, wait a minute now. He's uh, 
they have him on crimes, man. They, you know, he's been indicted for not. He has ninety not, with ninety three counts against him. Indictments. Yes, he's being indicted by somebody. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right. But but you say, you say that you say that like that was a like that's a victory. I am saying that he should have been prosecuted as soon as his ass. We're oh, talking three I see what you're later. saying. I got you. I got you. Okay. No, no, I'm with you now. I understand what right. you're saying. Yeah. And I guarantee you, even at Jack Smith, Fonnie Willis would have held out in Georgia. New York State would have held out if federal would have prosecuted his butt a long time ago. But okay. why did they have to go first? Because they didn't have the courage to do it because everybody, you know, Garland and those guys are like, um, we need to be careful. He is a candidate for president and he has freedom of speech. Come on, who gets that? Who, who yeah. gets that kind of courtesy? Yeah. You know, any of us would have been in jail three right. years ago, any one of us. Yeah. So we have to call it what how we see it because what's going on is that we keep living under this um, uh, illusion of fairness, and it's actually driving us crazy as a society. It's making people yeah. wig out, and that's why I keep saying yeah. that we have to kind of change how we deliver information and how we right. process this stuff. And see it for what it's what's what it's worth. We cannot keep cheering for for people who are not doing their job, right? right. And so we're like, and, and I explain this kind of in a in a cultural way. I know your audience is going to have an issue with. Well, may maybe, but it's it's like us understanding as a community, as a black person. I can tell you the truth ninety nine percent of the time, but the one percent I lie to you, you'll be like, I can't trust them because he lied. Right? Yeah, if a white person yeah. did this on the opposite side, they lied to you 99% of the time and told you the truth once, they'll be like, well, he did tell the truth that last time. We got to take that victory. And you can see how we're programmed to look at it like that. So just because they're prosecuting him now, it took those black folks to come in and say, nope, we're not even holding off on this. We're not. You broke the law. Anybody else will go to jail. I'm prosecuting you. It took them to be that honest with that, with the system that they say is fair. It took black folks yeah. in that situation. Yeah, and yeah. So I mean, it's funny. We cannot. It's funny. You, yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, finish your no, talk. No, go ahead. no, I was saying that yeah, I, uh, I was it's just, funny. You, 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 oh, look. <laughs> it's funny that you were saying that. Uh, <laughs> you, what you just said because uh, I talked about that in the, during the first like, segment of the show. How how. You know, the bottom line is that when, and I was talking about how some of our listeners, you know, there's a lot of, I get a lot of traffic from folks who are just haters and trolls and they get mad because, you know, we don't read their comments on the air. And I just said, hey, you know, the bottom line is, is that when we start talking about the things that you guys have done to us as a people, you don't want to hear that. And so all of a sudden, you know, we're right. racist because all we're doing is telling you we're repeating what you've done. I talked about that I watched that movie, uh, the Killers Under the Flower Moon, uh, this past week, and it, and, it, and it showed how white folks were stealing oil rights from Indians, and they compared it to Tulsa, and Tulsa was going on around the same time when all this was happening. But like I said, you know, you get upset when we bring this up. All we're doing is just repeating what you guys have done. We ain't making this mess right. up. We're telling you what you did, right? You know, the, the, yeah. And so don't, you know, don't, you know, you call us lazy, but we're the ones that, you know, took care of your children and picked your cotton and built the White House. Get out of here with this nonsense. Right, and and I think it's about time that we start to deal with this. Like we on this show, 
we don't have to pacify. Like, we don't have to go and hold to um, an, an executive producer or, right. or even the station owner that's putting pressure on us to not say what needs to be said. Right. So when you, when you hear us talk about this, we're doing this without the, the cuffs that everybody else normally has. Right. So it's, it's, it would be like talking about Israel and Palestine. This country doesn't like mm-hmm. to deal with this, but the truth is, is that when you have oppressed people for long enough, you cannot say things like, you have terrorists, so we're going to bomb 15 hospitals, right? Yeah, and then want crazy. us to cheer for you, right? Yeah. Because, because that's a, that goes against the Geneva Convention. You're mm-hmm. breaking laws, but we can't say that. Like, that is mm-hmm. maddening. So, yeah. so we have to be able to say at some point in what we call a free society, somebody needs to be able to speak freely. Right. It's not something that we right. have to be like, well, we killed all these innocent people, but we're mad at somebody who lives with them. Like, we don't, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. That you, shows you, how you, insane yeah, you correct. are. Yeah. Right? Because if we did that the opposite way, then mm-hmm. there would be a problem. Right. Oh, it, you, you're, you're right. It's 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 sad when you think about it. To be honest with you, and like we say, folks, all we're doing is just repeating what you've done in history. We're not making any of this stuff up. And like you said, Jerome, we're not bogged down by that. So at the end of the day, we want to speak what we speak. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, go somewhere else. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We're gonna out take a break. Mariana Music's Corner Part One is right around the corner, and we'll be back to keep the party going. Don't you go anywhere. Thank you for being a part of what we do. 10 minutes after the top of the hour. Today, nearly one in five Americans are living with a mental health condition, from our children and grandparents to our veterans, coworkers, and neighbors. For all of us, our mental well-being is just as important as our physical health. But unfortunately, most of us don't know how to recognize the signs that someone is in emotional distress. And so many of those who are having difficulty can't get the help they need. Together, we can change this. We can start by visiting changedirection.org and learning the five signs that may mean someone is struggling and needs help. And then it's up to us to show compassion, to reach out, connect, help folks find the hope and the support they need. Together, we can change the story about mental health in America. Together, we can change direction.
and Nikki Haley both claiming momentum and taunting frontrunner former President Trump for his absence. I think it is going to hurt him if he doesn't show up. We got one more fella to go after, and I'm telling you, we're going to do it. Vivek Ramaswamy's personal attack on Haley over her adult daughter's use of TikTok becoming the debate's most viral moment. She made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my Before daughter out of your voice. You're just the easy answer. But for the third consecutive debate, the race's leader, Donald Trump, counter-programming the evening's events. I'm standing in front of tens of thousands of people right now, and it's on television. That's a hell of a lot harder to do than a debate. Moving past the primary, hammering President Biden. When I'm reelected, we will stop Joe Biden's inflation disaster and we will rebuild the greatest economy in the history of the world. We'll do it. With debate watchers telling us Trump still seems the certain nominee. 
he's just going to go and smoke out the competition anyway. Do you think he can be beaten? No. Even this Haley supporter. I just liked her. Um, I don't know. She was so strong. Do you think she could beat Donald Trump? I, I'm not sure about that. Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. I am not sure about that. So the debate for second place in the GOP uh, primaries took place this past week with uh, DeSantis and Nikki Haley claiming that uh, they stepped up and and have improved their chances. Um, just you know, I have I watch it because I have to because you know we're going to talk about it. But my goodness, man, you watch this stuff and. You, and you're saying, I mean, what's the purpose? If you're not going to go after Donald Trump, then why the hell are you even? This doesn't make sense, right? I mean, Jerome, I'm not sure if you watched it. Uh, you know, it's hard to watch sometimes. But, you know, when you have people up there like Tim Scott, who's a clown, and, and you know, Chris Christie, everybody talks about how he's going after the Trump. But at the end of the day, he's still Chris Christie. He's still, you know. Right. He's still a clown, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so it's just like, what are we doing? I mean, what are these people doing? I mean, none of them. They're not going to win. And I think what they're doing is I think they're hoping that he gets indicted. And if he gets indicted, well, not indicted, but convicted, I should say. And because if that's the case, then they feel that they need to be ready just in case, you know, that happens. That people are going to right. consider with and say, well, we're not going to vote for someone who's been convicted. He's a convicted felon. We're not going to, uh, you know, vote him into office. Which, by the way, is, and I need to look this up. I should know this, so shame on me for not knowing this. But I thought if you were a convicted felon, you can't run for office. Well, you, you, well, you can run for office as a convicted felon. Really? You can't run for office. Yeah, but you can't run for office if you are... Uh, like I said, you have been proven to try to overthrow the government. There's only, like, one real thing that you can't do, and that is um, try to circumvent, like, the government, which means that you're attempting to um, disrupt an election, which he's been doing. They just, again, he hasn't been put on trial for that, even though you have a bunch of people who has already gone to jail for um, – for being involved in the um, January 6th stuff. And Trump instigated it, which means, you know, if, if you were, I mean, they, try, they use this against the Panthers generally, is that if you from um, the podium incite a riot or instruct someone to do something, it does not matter if you're there or not. You will be found guilty of inciting that riot. So there are laws on the books that said if you are, um, I think it's 35, if, if I'm correct, I think it's in your 30s, and you instruct people who are under tw- who are 20 and under, that's mm-hmm. called undue influence, and you can go to jail for that. So if you tell somebody who's younger than you, like in that age range, to do something and you incite them from a stage, you are going to jail. But did Trump get arrested for that? No, because then, well, like, he has freedom he's, of speech. He's a, a dying right, for because it, people, I mean, keep using, yeah. people keep using that. You have the right to freedom of speech, but you don't. You can't yell fire in a movie theater. You will go to jail, right? Like right, you right. can't incite mass panic. And um, so again, we use laws just generally 
to favor those people who don't have lawyers or who don't have an attorney to actually refute whatever that um, whatever you tell them. So they draw it out. So that's why Trump has been such a pro at not actually going to court because he, I mean, he's not paying his attorneys, but he would draw stuff out long enough that people are like, oh, okay, this is not in the public's interest. And that is legit that they can just drop charges if it's not in the public interest because the state is supposed to be acting on behalf of the public. So, again, you, people use laws uh, all sorts of ways to benefit those people who have power. Let me, let me ask you a question, and here's and I'm concerned about this, and I, I, I am curious to see if you share uh, the same thoughts. Um, Nikki Haley. I think she's mm-hmm. a fraud. I think that some of the stories about her sleeping with the help, I think that's true. Now, people can get pissed off at me, but I really and truly believe some of that stuff's true, mm-hmm. but whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, people are looking. She's the one that's making, you know, on the GOP side, she's making, you know, she's moving up. I, mean, I think she's, in some cases, in some polls, she's past DeSantis uh, as far as, you know, uh, you know, GOP, GOP's second choice behind, you know, their ringleader. But but let me ask you this. If she's on a debate stage with Joe Biden, I mean, does, should Democrats be concerned about that? Yes, because people will go for I, – I don't like the narrative on Joe Biden. He's done such a good job that he he's starting to get into pop culture stuff. Right, and we're like, oh, he's old, and blah blah blah. And pe- every time people say that, it is putting that in their head. But right. what happens is that you know she's gonna, they're gonna keep playing that up. But I guarantee you this: even as a woman, I guarantee that she will lose. Because no matter what you say, not only is Nikki, not only is she um, extreme, she is fly by night, and she will tell you what you want to hear till she gets in office. And that's never going to work. So you, you're losing a segment right there. And then you're dealing with Republicans who actually, I mean, I know the Democrats have this same thing. That's why Hillary Clinton didn't win. It's because women, when it comes to other women running, um, white women in particular, will lie. They'll say we're going to support you and do the complete opposite. So that's why in Hillary's case, she didn't get a substantial um amount of white females people keep blaming black folks because they love to blame black people for everything if black people would have came out she'd have won yeah but if white women would have voted for who they said it was going to vote for she would have won too right yeah they we lied like to take too. The blame. well yeah. that, they, they that, lied that always they lied though right they lied when they came out of the polling they you know they couldn't tell people and that every, they actually voted for trump lying asses but they lied before they went in because the pre-polling said that too that's why Trump then was worried because the that, pre-polling said I mean. the same. Yeah. That's what I meant. No, so you're here, right. That's here's what how I mean. this works. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. if you ever look at polling, black people tell you what they're going to do. If they tell you, most of the time black people just won't tell. So black people are hard to poll, right? And white males will tell you what they're going to do. So they're like, we vote Republican. We don't care about it. They don't care. White women are the only things that fluxes in polling. Because you cannot really be sure. So when you're looking at polling, it's like, yeah, you always have to worry with white, with white females, but um, Nikki Haley won't carry them. So you're talking about the stuff that's going on with abortion and, and all of those things of 
states' rights, states' rights, and then when they get in control in federal, they're like, we want to ban everything. Well, yeah, but she, she's not saying that get. though. That's 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 what concerns me, Jerome. Not, I'm sorry to interrupt, but she's not really saying that. She's saying basically she's trying to play both sides, right? She's saying, well, you know, um, I'm all, I'm pro life, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna look down on you if you want to, if you believe in abortion. Yeah, she's lying. So she's not uh, saying any. She's a pro. She she was when she at the UN, right? She knows how to yeah. how to skirt a line of something. So what did mm. they do on the Supreme Court? Oh, the, the Roe oh, yeah, versus Wade is already precedent. It's always been real. It's precedent, they, all you of, know, we're not going to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we don't. They lie. So you have to see. You have to see through that to say, okay, well, you know what? Since you since I know you're lying. Then technically, how how do you actually deal with politics anyway when you know that someone's lying? The truth is, is that you have to believe them when they say it. She she knows what she's doing, so she's just kind of skirting the issue a little bit. But she's she's actually lying. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think so. That's what I'm, I think she is. I think that people can see through it. I think, like, I'm pretty sure that even her trying to be, you know, Donald Trump light, like attempting to be Donald Trump light is um, how people are seeing through that. She is actually extreme. She did that yeah. in South Carolina. I don't think she'll win South Carolina. Yeah, no. No, because it, it's just like Giuliani running and everybody's like, he's America's mayor. I'm like, New York State hates Giuliani's ass. And you think that that would be his base, right? We all know what that dude think. did when he was there. He was racist and crazy. He was always that. He ran for governor a couple of times. And then, but when he went on national stage, people paint a picture of him like he stepped up after 9-11. You had an enemy that you couldn't see, so you can talk shit against him all day. That is usually how that goes. You know cowards that do that. George, George W. Bush did the same thing. We're going to find you wherever you are, blah, blah, blah. His father did the same thing. You know people who don't do conflict actually talk to noise when they have security they get tough yeah right so and but and then you know who's scary when they buy themselves so people like trump 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 is no strong man he trump has once he became president he you think he was off the rails from being in new york city and having the relationships that he had he was just a bully and you know he used that to intimidate people but at the same right. time, once he became president, he knows that you cannot touch him. He still thinks he's going to get Secret Service protection if he goes to jail. Well, because, and you think they're going to make an amendment to that? I mean, he that's what it says. I mean, the law says he's supposed to have Secret Service. No, no, it does not say that. What happens what is that, first of all, you can refuse Secret Service. Wait, you can True. refuse Secret Service, and the next president can take away your Secret Service as well. Right. Now, so I, you, okay. You, All right. I'm not going to argue with you. Okay. Have, uh, uh, yeah, but you can have secret service for life as former presidents. It's just a tradition. It's just what we do as a country. Right. We I we, thought, we we afford them the luxury to do that. I thought I thought that they had put something in place saying that it was only for ten years. And President Obama went in and changed that and made it lifetime again. So I I yeah, I thought there was something written uh, about that because I do remember because they had knocked it down to 20 years or something like that. But President Obama came into office and said, nope, 
we need to restore that, and they made it lifetime. So I mean, you may be correct. I mean, you're you know more about the stuff yeah. than I do, but but at the end of the day, I thought yeah, that there was something. Yeah, Jimmy Carter re- stopped having the service protection a long time ago. Yeah, he refused he it though. Like now. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't need him. No, that's yeah. what I'm yeah. Right. If it was a law, you couldn't refuse it. They'll just they'll just follow you anyway. Like they afford the protections to you. So it's still voluntary. You're not because because think about it. If you're paranoid, you'd be like, why is the government still following me? Right. So you it's not a it's not a hard coded thing that you have to have it. You can have it. Like, people who need it, like, it's like George W. Bush needs Secret Service protection. And the reason that he needs it is because he has some international warrants <laughs> on his arrest. Right? So, and unless he's in, you know, you got a, uh, um, a situation where a former U.S. president can actually be snatched by another country internationally and brought up on charges. Like, that dude needs Secret Service protection. You know, those those threats are not normally out there, but it's just a courtesy. So, but so I think Trump needs Secret Service protection, honestly. But I think that once you're in the federal system, if you get convicted federally, the federal system is just like having a Secret Service. So they're responsible for your safety, like the Secret Services. It doesn't mean that that agency has to stay there, because once you're in federal custody federal actually have governance over you anyway. It's just a different federal agency. It's like saying the marshals are taking over, opposed to the Secret Service. The Secret Service has the prestige that their training is um, having a body man. That's it. You, you're still protected by the federal government, even when you're in federal prison. Okay, there it is. All right, we're going to step out. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Part two of Mariana Music's Corner is coming up, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue to rock. You're listening to the serious side. Once again, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back after this.
those pictures of Mary? Yep. She thinks she's so hot. But her mom and dad will see them. Her grandmother, her little sister, everyone she knows, it's going to kill her. Who cares? Just a couple of pictures. No big deal. No big deal? Don't. This has got to stop. Stop cyberbullying. The results could be deadly. Online radio at its best. Again, 347-850-1272. It is the side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio. It's time to say good morning to all those who are in the house. And it's just me and my boy, Mr. Jerome Spree, in the house. Good morning, man. How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? I am doing outstanding, Jerome. You know, Mr. Elias is... Uh, out, he's traveling. He's uh, I mentioned it at the top of the show. Mr. Elias is the road manager for Tony Woods, and so they're taping a Netflix special. So he's in DC, and of course, Vanessa is doing what Vanessa does, she's all over the seas doing what Vanessa does. So that's where everyone is this morning. I want to say what's happening to uh, Real Dean. Real Dean, you can jump on in here, sweetie, if you want to. Just let me know. Raise your hand. Fomo BZ is the TV, is in the house as well. My man, Kavina, man. Just so many people listening. We appreciate you so, so much. Uh, but you know how it goes. When Mr. Elias is not here, I can't go in and make any changes. All right? I just, I can't go and read comments because there's too much going on. So, Anyway, let's continue to rock with the show. We have one more topic, and a very important topic that I want to talk about. And uh, let's check it out. Online radio at its best. The Las Vegas Raiders have really been making a lot of history, even though their record doesn't show it. And the season hasn't been going that great for them up until now. It seems like it's kind of shifting a little bit. They've been making a lot of history because they are the NFL's first team with a black president who her name is Sandra Douglas Morgan, black head coach, intern head coach Antonio Pierce, and black general manager Champ Kelly. Thank you for watching the Evil One podcast. All right, so listen. I wanted to talk about this this morning because I think we need to shine a light on what we just heard, that the Las Vegas Raiders, the very first NFL team that has a black head coach, that has a black general manager, and has a black female president of football operations. 
Now, if my memory serves me correctly, and once again, I should know this, I think, well, they're not the first team to hire a black coach. I thought that the Pittsburgh Steelers was the first. Wasn't there a player that was a player coach? I can't remember. I'll look it up here real quick. But I think the Raiders, they were the first team that hired a black coach with Art Shell, if I'm not mistaken. And Yeah, I think they were. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think remember. they were I think the first I, team, huh? Yeah, yeah I think he was the first black head coach. Yes, yeah, I think you're right about that. So I wanted to spend some time to talk. This is a big deal, and people can say what you want to say. I never, I really hated the the, the Raiders, but I tell you what, uh, guess what? I'm in now. I'm all in because you know. Right. For people who don't watch football, people who don't care um, about, you know, the NFL, and that's, you know, you can feel that way about it. That's fine. But for, for, <clears throat> but for this to happen in a league that I think every team in the league is owned by either a white person or I think there's one person that's maybe Indian, one group, but for the most part, this is a league that's been the good old boys league. That's one of the reasons why Colin Kaepernick, you know, Jerome mentioned his name earlier in the show. That guy hasn't gotten another shot. All these teams with quarterback issues. Think about it. The Giants, <clears throat> quarterback issues. You know, uh, what's happening in Minnesota, quarterback issues. Colin Kaepernick was a Super Bowl. He played in the Super Bowl. Now, people can say, well, he's older. He's been out the league for a very long time. But the bottom line is when he – this prime, he was blacklisted, and you can't tell me. Right. I think um, I thought I saw where um, who's the quarterback that's getting another shot? And this guy is old as dirt, but he's back in the NFL, and they will not give mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick, uh, you know, an opportunity. So I want to yep. I want to focus on this man because what the Raiders are doing, you know, I, I mean, man, mm-hmm. kudos. Kudos. I mean, your thoughts on this? Kudos. You know, it's um. Yes, I can't remember the I can't remember the guy's name, um, who who talked about this early in the week, but he was saying if other teams, it it's it's like if y'all don't understand what the Raiders are doing, you're gonna get left behind. Stephen A. Smith. It, it's kind of what happened. Who was it? Was it? I don't know. I'm just trying to throw some names around. Either Stephen A. Smith, maybe Sterling Sharp, or. You know, it uh, may have been Sterling Sharp. I don't think Stephen A. Smith went that Sterling, route. But, but Shannon, Shannon, you know, not Sterling, Shannon Sharp. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Shannon Sharp. Um, it was someone like that. But they, you know, the point is well taken. I, you know, um, when Alabama got beat by, I, it wasn't it USC or someone or or um, no, USC UCLA lost to, or something. Uh, Oregon. Yeah. No, no, no. We're, we're back in the days when they had when segregation oh, was bad, right. Alabama oh, had, okay. got beat gotcha. by LSU or somebody who had some black players at skill positions, wide receiver and cornerback, and he made the decision right there. We need some black players because Alabama is always the you know pinnacle of college football. But once those black people started lighting them up, he was like, we need to go out and get some black votes. And so I think what's going to happen with the rest of the football league is they didn't think they need him. It's like having one black quarterback, and then he starts lighting you up, and you're like, now we need to get black quarterbacks. But the problem was is that once everybody was, you know, um, blacklisted or 
or whatever from playing in certain positions, black people just didn't play him. Right, like quarterback yeah. for years. And who came in there? Um, Joe Gilliam or somebody. <laughs> you know, like Joe Gilliam, back yeah, in the for day. the Steelers, yeah. Mm-hmm. For the Steelers. And then once Doug Williams won a Super Bowl, it was kind of over. It was like, oh, yeah, y'all can't play quarterback. It's like, yeah, there's black schools, black people play quarterback. But the society does not let that in because a part of our whole um, – you know, psychosis as Americans is that everybody wants to adhere to a white standard. So there are certain positions in society that white people want to see white people in. And so when they see too many black people, the Colin Kaepernick's and people are kneeling, and we just here to watch football. We don't want to know about your problems, right? But when little Katie falls down a well, you want all black people to feel some empathy, and then you say, how come y'all don't care? How come y'all don't care about Israel? How come y'all, you know what I mean? Like when something happens to white folks, we have to turn. So when you talk about, like, impression in sports, this, I'm not saying it's a wake-up call or a shot in the arm, but just like with Deion Sanders going to Colorado, black people are going to become Raiders fans, and then that's going to make the rest of them feel some kind of way. But you have to know that if I'm a black player, and worth my salt, I'm going to want a black general manager and a black um, a black coach. I need somebody in management that's going to look out for me as well. So, you know, that's, that's something I think we overlook in society is that black folks do feel comfortable around black folks because that's where fairness lives. It does not live amongst white folks no matter what we say out loud, no matter what's politically correct. It's the same reason as the last segment – that Trump is getting prosecuted with black prosecutors opposed to white ones. That we can only find our equity and fairness amongst the, um, amongst black folks. And I, ironically, white folks can only find fairness amongst black folks. We don't really hold grudges like that. I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm just saying we don't. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You, can, you can find that in there. So I think with the Raiders, I think that once, like I said, with Colorado, people were starting to hate Colorado because the way Dion even with them losing, Dion said, you know, told a reporter the other day, listen, I understand what your questions are, and I know who you are, but we ain't taking controversy. We're raising men in here. You yeah. have to deal with losing like you did with winning. So nobody's going to fight and argue because we didn't win a game, or we're not not friends because we didn't win. And I think that people want the sensationalism of people falling apart. Um, and that's where that drama comes of building somebody up until they fall apart. So if the Raiders were losing, then they'd be like, see, you mm-hmm. can't have black people run stuff. They would love that. Oh, yeah. Because that fits the yeah. narrative. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they clean house and got rid of all the all those people. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. Now, uh, a little known black history uh, fact here. The, the first African-American head coach in the NFL was a guy by the name of Frederick Douglas Fritz Pollard. Um, he was the first African American. That wasn't strategic. Uh, <laughs> that huh? wasn't strategic. I said that wasn't well, strategic. Frederick Douglass, somebody. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like you're yeah, gonna be the yeah, first absolutely. one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, Nineteen twenty-one. What's that? Man, see, yeah, that's before my. That's way before my my history time. I can't go back that far. Yeah, but yeah, 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 um, yeah. It reminds me of um, 
the difference between Claudette Colvin and Rosa Parks. Everybody remembers Rosa Parks ah, because yeah. Claudette Colvin was underage. Yep. Yeah. And so have a grown woman deal with the with that. Yep. You people look at that differently than they looked at it because you would have yep. too much empathy and tried to maneuver the um you know Claudette Colvin. She was young and she was pregnant, and they yeah. were like, nope, we're not putting the pressure of the civil rights struggle on you. Um, Rosa Parks going to intentionally go in there and sit in the front, but it happened prior. So yeah, we. People strategically watch history like that and say, we're going to use this person opposed to that one. But Frederick Douglass seems like that was staged. (laughs) Yeah, Frederick Douglass Fritz Douglass Fritz Pollard, uh, 1921, he coached the uh, team out of Akron. So that's the very first NFL. You know, listen, you know they probably named him after, you know, they named him after Frederick Douglass. You know, hey, listen, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people named after King. People did that yeah, of course. I mean, there are a lot of people named after Kobe, which is I, I thought is uh, was watching the game the other day. Kobe Bryant made. I said, oh boy, you know, it's just you know, it's amazing. People that you look up to, you name your kids after. So hey, that name will live on and on and yeah. on uh, beyond that person. You know, and years or whatever. Yeah, people. I, I have a friend who named her uh, son Cameron after Ferris Bueller Day Off. She was watching that when she was pregnant. Huh? And I have. I, I met someone, well, Cameron was, you know, the secondary character. You know, it was a cool name. She said she she was watching Ferris Bueller, and she liked the name Cameron because that was one of the characters, and she named her child Cameron. And the the most, the interesting one, and hopefully I just met her last week um, when I was in San Francisco, but this one girl said I was named, I asked her what her name was, and she said Ray, and I said, what does it stand for? And she said Raisine because my mother favorite TV show, which I've never seen before. And I said, living single? Like, it was Regine. From Regine, yeah, Regine, yeah, from a, really? So that's what? Oh, she didn't wow. know. She, she had no clue. And I said, she didn't and know. so I told her what it was. And she said, yeah, and she's a, she's an adult. She's in her 20s. she got to be probably oh, 25-ish. And I was like, don't it's, know it's on Reba. Right. I'm like, it's not reruns. Go watch it. You know, it's, it's a cool character. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. <laughs> I know. I hope wow. she's not listening. I don't think I told her to listen. But <laughs> me telling her story. But, it is, but I mean, she, she's cool people. But the, the thing is, is that folks name folks after things that they find prestigious or they think is nice and stuff. People get creative. And, um, but when you do um, symbolic stuff, that people really do watch the names of folks that they put forth. You know, they would not put somebody from, you know, um, someone who you dislike or you have propaganda against. Like, I, I don't right. know if I ever told you the story, but when Reagan was in office, he intentionally, or I'm sorry, um, George H. Bush, intentionally okay. mispronounced um, Saddam's name because he wanted to irritate him. So he used to call him Saddam Hussein because that's a technique okay. that, you know, um, intelligence departments use to say, if you can't take the time to learn out somebody's name, you're just being disrespectful. So he would intentionally mispronounce his name. Yeah. So whenever okay. you watch really folks real. do that, they do that just to irritate you. So you can say, that's, that's not my name. Yeah. 
that that's interesting. That's interesting. Somebody just sent me something. Uh, sent me. Uh, I didn't know someone could direct message to me. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know people could. Well, yeah. I mean, so they were. Okay, so there. Oh, so there is. There's an act called the Former Presidents Protection Act of 2012. Um, yeah, it's new. It, that's that's Obama. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it has to be 2012. Interesting. Okay, so it looks like you were right, and they. Uh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Well, that's so, well, that's going to be interesting to see how that works. Uh, that's why he. That's why he created the act because it was never a law, and so even with people like like you know Trump coming in, you guys remember Obama in 2012 didn't see Trump coming, right? So no. he just thought he didn't see him coming right. in twenty freaking fifteen either. Hell, because remember, <laughs> right. because, well, listen, think about this, Jerome. A lot of people criticized President Obama because they were saying that the Obama administration knew that the Russians were meddling in the elections, but they didn't want to go in and, and you know it, they didn't want the American public to seem that they were putting their fingers on the scale because they thought Hillary was going to win. That yeah. you know, that's a big criticism. Well, of, of that administration, and I know, and I know Hillary is mad at that, right? Because they investigated Hillary, knowing that wasn't nothing going on with her, but they did that to pacify the Republicans. So once well, you keep going enough that. Smoke, there's only one. What you say? Comey did that, and he's a Republican. Comey did that. Right. The, FBI, the former FBI. Right. Yeah. He took, yeah. He took it upon himself. To yeah. investigate her because he said, well, we want to make sure. He was acting as an agent mm-hmm. of the Republicans. And then when they turned on him, then the Democrats are like, well, you know, we should look out for Comey. So it, it was it was like a, a bad situation of, is your enemy, is the enemy of your enemy my friend, or are mm. you still my enemy? Right? Yeah. And so instead of Obama, like, Gorsuch, uh, that's his name, right? The uh, Attorney General, um, yeah. who was supposed to, the Obama wanted to put on the Supreme Court. He yes. was a compromise because he's so doggone conservative. So instead of Obama going for somebody who's liberal or or not as conservative, he picked somebody right. who he thought Republicans would like. That's why right. him, you know, he being at Attorney General. He's not even making moves because he's still conservative. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's no such thing, you know, which is interesting in watching the politics. They keep saying it's the right against the left, and they're extremists on the left like they are against the right. That's not true. The Democrats are always a conservative version of itself just to pacify Republicans, yeah. and Republicans are extreme um, conservative version of itself because – Nobody is going to fight against them. Wow! So yeah. it's it's like, yeah. it's like understanding that no matter what you do, um, you have a crew that's going to look out for you. So you can be mean as hell on the Republican side, and that don't really bother them. But you can be yeah. on the Democratic side and be Al Franken, where some girl mm-hmm. who you didn't even touch says, "I felt violated," and his this dude resigns as senator because yeah. he said her whole feelings were. Yeah, he didn't nothing know, intentional. He didn't disrespect her. None of that. But so yeah. that's not that's not even. 
And, no. And I'm surprised that I shouldn't say this out loud. I was going to say I'm surprised we don't get this on this show because what happens what? is that when you tell people stuff they don't want to hear, the extreme people get mad and the very liberal people get mad. Well, I, I just They're don't like, read the comments. Why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> that's why I just don't read the comments. I mean, you know, I just, well, that's the, that's the buffer. I'm, I just don't read the comments. Yeah, so, well, I'm, I'm glad you don't because I wouldn't respond to them. You know, yeah, that's not a thing. Yeah, so when when we're trying to, you know, when you're trying to learn or you're trying to have some kind of perspective, people are always coming in influencing your perspective by their feelings. Yeah. And it's like, no, we're just kind of giving you truth. You can sort your feelings any way you want to. Interesting. A lot of the stuff you're saying, man, it's like it's almost as if you listen to the first segment of the show. All these things you're saying, I talked about that during the first segment of the show. So you see, folks, Uh we are in sync we are in sync. We are saying the exact same thing I was saying earlier. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back with our final thoughts. Don't go anywhere. A revival weekend meant to celebrate and revitalize historically black towns in Oklahoma is underway. Elizabeth Caldwell with member station KWGS has more. Visitors will explore Rentiesville, Tallahassee, and Clareview. Those are three of the state's 13 remaining historically black towns. Organizer and former Tallahassee town manager Simone Davis says formerly enslaved people founded the communities for safety. For us to be able to not be lynched, to not have our house torn down or or burned down, um, there's so many atrocities that have happened to black people in, in this country. And it's like, why would you create a black town? Black people know why black towns are created. Davis says the goal of the weekend is to get people invested in historically black communities. For NPR News, I'm Elizabeth Caldwell in Tulsa. Soccer star Megan Rapinoe's final game as a professional player came to an early end last night. She was forced to leave the National Women's Soccer League Championship in the first few minutes with a suspected torn Achilles tendon. It's obviously devastating to... You know, go out in a final so early. Um, you know, I know it's my last game, and that is, you know, devastating as well. But to go out so early, that also changes things. It takes the sub off the bench. It, you know, taking one of your best players off the field is um, not ideal. Fans gave Rapino a standing ovation as she left the field. Gotham FC went on to win the title over Rapino's OL reign, two goals to one. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. This message comes from NPR sponsor, AGB, who is proud to present Our Texas, Our Future film, an original docuseries showcasing Texas' beautiful state parks, resilient wildlife, and the Texans helping to protect them. Stream now at OurTexasOurFuture.com. Listen to this podcast sponsor-free on Amazon Music with a Prime membership or any podcast app by subscribing to NPR News Now Plus at plus.npr.org. That's plus.npr.org. Online radio at its best. All right, folks, it is time for our final thoughts, and uh, it's been a good show today. Uh, you know, obviously, Mr. Elias not being here, Vanessa not being here, you know, we're not at full staff, but you know what? Hey, it's our responsibility to bring you the noise, and we brought you the noise this morning. I want to know how this person is direct uh, messaging me. That's what I want to know. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and they said something else. 
thing uh, that uh, that this thing they said 1958 is when the former President's Act was passed, which meant in 1965 that it would provide lifetime protection for former presidents. And this person goes on to say that uh, Secret Service, uh, even with Trump being in jail, uh, his Secret Service protection will not end unless. Like you said, Jerome, the president comes and changes the route. So, anyway, let me know how you yeah. get in contact with me because this is crazy. <laughs> well, this I, is weird. yeah, I do want to say this about that. So, even though his Secret Service protection doesn't end, this is uncharted territory because your Secret right. Service deals with you outside of, like, it doesn't deal with incarceration. And so, yeah, there was point. nothing specific says that you have to have lifetime protection because it doesn't matter. Your Secret Service can stand outside. You don't lock yep. up Secret Service men because you're in jail. So they don't have to protect you when you go to the bathroom and when you're in the commissary. Like, that's not how Secret Service works. So even though yeah. it says that, there is a debate about the fact that once you're in federal custody, Secret Service may protect the building. They may make sure mm-hmm. that doesn't have any kind of terrorist or target attacks, but you're in federal custody. You're, you're technically inside your house. Secret Service does not have to protect you inside your house. They cover your house and they make sure you're secure and they, you know, step outside your, you know, step yeah. outside your doors, but they don't, they don't come inside your house. So if that's his living space, there's some debate that needs to, to happen <laughs> because it's never been done before. So that's where the, that's where the rub is. Well, well, I'll tell you what, yeah. this guy has, i tell you what he has done. He has definitely created some new laws that's going to come into place. This joker has went against everything yeah. that was printed. So, that's hey, maybe the system needed this. <laughs> this guy here. Wow. <laughs> All right, man, right. What's, your final, what's your final thoughts, Doug? Well, that, that is my final thought, is that I don't think <laughs> you should make laws in case your president breaks a law. Because as a free society... Right? We went after, yeah. who was it, Noriega, um, just yeah. people who were actually the head of different countries. Saddam Hussein, you went after, you know, Gaddafi, like went after leaders of state, which is against the rules. It's against the Geneva Convention. You are not supposed to do that, but we as a country have done that. But we have a problem locking up our own people when they break laws. We have not yeah. turned over George W. Bush. To the International Criminal Court for him to even yeah. have a hearing because we think that we're above that because it, again it's why with Israel um, they, they're they saying in that whole thing why Palestinians don't love the United States and why they why we're getting kicked out of every other country like France is you know mm-hmm. those African nations yeah. that's trying to get rid of France because of things like this that we can't even prosecute our own criminals, but we want to tell them who their criminals are. So, yeah, hey, it's, a, it's crazy, man. We'll see how it works. And, you know, George Bush is on that list with uh, Vladimir Putin because he has an international arrest warrant out against him, too. It's, it's, it's interesting to see how this stuff's going to work Don't out. forget him. Yeah. got about him. <laughs> okay. All right, my brother. If it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the J. Ryle Show. 
folks, it's been a pleasure serving you. So from my main man, my brother from another another, Mr. Jerome Spree. I'm Jay Riles saying have a wonderful weekend, a wonderful rest of the weekend, and a wonderful work week. And remember, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side. God bless. See you next week. Take care of yourselves.